the mic leveled out here just a little bit. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. There I go and say amen again. Well, praise the Lord. Okay, all right. Just look around and see who's here. We're taking the honoring the Lord's Supper or breaking of the bread this morning. So we'll watch our time. And somebody point to your watch around 1130. That's about 40 minutes. And then we will change the uh, order of the service and uh, proceed with the the Lord's Supper, but it's not the supper that we're, it's not supper time, so we call it the Lord's Supper. People call it the communion, but we call it the breaking of the bread in, re in remembrance of the Lord Jesus, what he done for us. There is still healing in the bread and the wine. I could take the whole service and speak on that uh, part of the word, but we've been through it many, many times, but the disciples broke bread Still a little loud somewhere. They broke bread basically every day. Not once a week, once a month, but they broke bread once every day. As often as they gathered together, they broke the bread. I don't know what's, amen, what's going on here. We will get it because we have gotten it before, so we will get it back again. Amen. But it's not comfortable until you can hear yourself the way that you're supposed to do that. So we'll only take about 40, 45 minutes this morning, and then we'll take a part of the other service. Uh, when we basically close the service for that, we will stop the video and the broadcast. We will not telecast the uh, communion service because that's a private affair. If you're at home watching on the video, uh, you can partake of the supper with us, but you'd have to basically break your own bread and have your own wine. If there's a father in the house, he can basically serve his family communion. It is a healing process, and it is basically a witness that you are born again and have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So it is very important, and it tells that as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. The remembrance of him is basically bringing us to our subject this morning. We're looking at the process to glorification. We could call it the statue of a perfect man. We could call it basically headship. There's many things that you could call it because it was all brought to the seed form in seven steps. So we'll just call it the process to glorification. And we're looking at our individual step in that as God actually builds the body of Christ, which is his own body, making the bride and the groom one. So let's just go to the Bible this morning and take all of our time looking at the scriptures. And we'll look beginning Matthew 16, 13 to 28. We'll not read all of the scriptures just for the uh, saving of time, but as we go through the process, we'll go over and over it. So uh, you've got the notes, you can read the notes and understand what we're getting to. It says in verse 13, when Jesus, now notice they didn't put any title to this, when Jesus, so right off we want to understand that we're talking about 
Jesus the person, Jesus the man. Jesus the man. So you're going to have to have your mind now, not Trinitarian or not oneness. We're looking at the key to God's redemption, and that is Jesus the man. That is our key. Let's watch it. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He asked the question, and in the question, he also stated exactly who he was. Who he was according to fulfillment of Scripture. Is that right? And what's the problem? Because Son of Man speaks to a prophecy that they had to hear or they would be cut off from you boil down your salvation to hearing one man. That is the man, Jesus. We call him Jesus Christ in the light that he was the anointed man to be the Messiah. All right. And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. We'll look and see why, they, why that answer come forth. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? It comes down to individual. Every individual, uh, let's put it this way. Every individual whose names is found written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Everybody's heard that phrase? Every name that's recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. The New Testament is the Lamb's Book of Life. The New Testament is. Because the New Testament starts with Jesus the birth of Jesus, and goes through the plan of salvation of how the body is built and redeemed by the Lamb of God, Jesus of Nazareth. Therefore, we are found in Him and redeemed by Him, and faith in the man is what saves you. He is our justification, and by Him we were made our uh, imputed the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus the man. All right. So when any school of thought, and we'll get through it as we go through it, Satan wants to eliminate the identity of Jesus Christ. He wants to make him one of three. He wants to make him one. Any doctrine that misplaces exactly who the man is, you're off with the word. That's what makes the doctrine of the Godhead and who Jesus is and Trinity and oneness and twoness and all these things for the last 2,000 years. It is Satan's plan to hide or disguise or to cover the identity of Jesus, the anointed one. We'll find it started in heaven and it's come down in that dimension, that form right down to physical form. It will carry us all the way to 
glorified form. You'll find in Scripture that we're working redemption through forms. Spirit form, theophany form, flesh form, back to a celestial form in the great waiting, back to a glorified form to rule and reign. So every one of us is working our way through a form until we reach the end product, which is glorification. We find ourselves now in this form that we call corruption or the flesh. It is corruption because it come by the law of reproduction contrary to the original law that we were to come here in. Okay. You're going to find out that you and I, I'm off subject already, you and I, when God said, let us make man in our own image, I believe that he made every man in theophonic form somewhere back in those layers called eternity or time or thought. I cannot explain to you what that ram done, what we done, or what our names was, or anything like that. But the Bible teaches that we were represented, or we were back here in a form. Because it said, where were you when the sons of God, which is us, shouted for joy around the throne? What were we shouting for joy about? There had to be something happened to cause us to shout for joy. And we'll find out that we absolutely passed the test and identified Michael, the anointed one, and cast out Satan and his churchgoers out of the kingdom of God. You have already passed the test. We're only placed in this form to be tested once again in every form to properly identify ourselves to God and his seed to come out in a glorified state. All right. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Now watch the I. It's not basically his title. It's not basically his role that he's playing as lamb. We're not to the mediator intercessor yet. We're to the man. Many people, as far as I know in the message, I've discussed it for, with many ministers today, and it's accepted fact that Jesus was not a man. He was God. And it was only God transformed himself into a man when he left, evaporated, went back to the spirit God. And there's no man in heaven, no intercessor, no form, no Jesus, no glorified man. It's all God, one like your finger. That is error as far as I understand the New Testament. You will not find the New Testament declaring that Jesus is God. It's not there. You will find that he declares, and all the disciples declared, and that's what the foundation is built on, that he was Jesus, the promised woman's seed, the sacrifice, the perfect man that God had ordained for our redemption. All right. Simon answered and said, Thou art the Christ, or the anointed one. Now, he's not identifying to me. He's not identifying the Logos. He's not identifying... God that was indwelling this man at this time, which you can go down that route. He was the Christ incarnated. That's true. But thou art the anointed one, the son of the living God. Now that is the title or that is the revelation given to the apostle Peter that Jesus said was by the spirit of which he would build his church upon. Therefore, Every member that is issued into the body of Christ comes in by identifying who Jesus is. 
That's the reason why you're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the mission of your sins. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Notice now, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. The Son of Man is both flesh and blood. Because he was a, the prophet. I say a prophet. He was the prophet. He was uh, a man identified in Scripture. He was the prophesied word manifest in flesh. And that man manifesting that role is what you have to identify. You can bring it down to home, and preachers do, and they get out of you, it. Not only do we have to identify the prophet of this hour, who Brother Branham truly was the man, but you bring it down from the messenger to the fivefold minister, basically to your husband and wife, down to brother and sister in Christ. It is identifying who the individual is that keeps you in harmony with the Word of God. To identify, we're easy to identify someone else. They are according to the Word of God. Not their outward man, not their conduct, because I know we get all strung up on conduct, and it's wonderful, but you won't find one legalist that makes it in. Well, don't you believe in wholeness? Absolutely. But the wholeness must come from the revelation of you being a son of God, the very righteousness and the family of God, which Jesus was our elder brother and our example. Therefore, if we are sons of God, why would we want to display and disgrace our Father by acting, dressing, and doing certain things that's not commensurate to being a son of God? So we're not looking at things that you should do to be a Christian. We're looking at a nature that you will do as being born of God. Not born again, born of God. The new birth is only the revelation of who you are as a seed or a son of God from the very beginning. And Jesus paid the price for your sin once and for all. It is done. It is finished. You are redeemed. That's the Bible. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock or this revelation I will build my church. And the gates of hell, that's every organized religion and every religion in the world, shall not prevail against it. And I put in your notes what is the rock, and we understand that the rock is a revelation of Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus the man. I should have titled it Jesus himself. And we'll go back sometime and pick up the scripture how Jesus himself done so and so. Jesus himself. Jesus himself. And God done for Jesus himself. Jesus was a unique man. He had his own body, spirit, and soul. He had his own reasoning faculty. He had his own mind. He had his own will. He could make a decision. He could speak on his own. He was a person separate from the Father. I uh, hear, look, brothers on the live stream that's listening to this tape, and some of them already asked, well, I want to listen to it. You cannot make Jesus God. 
You can turn it off if you want to. But Jesus is the Son of God, and without that revelation, the prophet of God said you cannot be saved. So we're coming down very simply. Now, we'll stop there on verse 18 and skip all the way down to 28, which, you, which is verse 18 gets us to the first step, bringing us through the other five. We'll list them what they are. And then verse 28, Verily I see in you there be some standing here which shall not taste of death, till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom, which is a type of the rapture or the revelation of the Son of Man in this hour that will bring forth the resurrection and the change of our bodies, which is that's what these seven steps will bring us to. In our text, we will find seven steps to prefigure are the steps in the process that the church body making up of individuals through layers. Every church age represented a layer of people. All right, the age that you're identified in will be the stage or the identity of nothing. We were made the righteousness of God by one man, not by any act, effort, or anything that you do, because you were made righteous before you was ever born. By one man we were all ordained to be born sinners through flesh. Why? Because way back here in theophonic form, the role was acted out. Now then you would put man in another form, spirit. Our spirit that come into our body at our natural birth was in a form way back there that has already passed the test in heaven. Or to everyone else, and you should understand by now, that basically the identity of the true seeds of God are hid now. As God hid the identity of the serpent seed for 6,000 years until the seals was opened in this hour. What made the seals so important? Because it unveiled and took the identity of the trail of the serpent and made it wide open to the believers or to the called out bride. White horse, black horse, pale horse. That's the trail of iniquity. There's your serpent seed, that false church rising out. It didn't reveal how we were. It revealed the falseness of it. So that when you can see the little air of it, the seed of discrepancy, you can follow it all the way through and recognize now that we are the spoken word seed of Almighty God. And we're growing together with the tares until a given time. And my job is not to root you up and throw you out because you disrupt the whole program. We'll all grow together and every seed will manifest what it is by what comes out of your mouth. Amen. So in other words, you're looking at, we'll go through until we reach the end time where the Apostle Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16b, And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Matthew 17, 1 to 3 types this event. You'll notice it is the transfiguration or the understanding of the Son of Man, which we have already fulfilled those scriptures because we have understood the revelation of the Son of Man. Therefore, we shall not see death until we see the revelation of the Son of Man. That's already fulfilled. 
You say, what if I die? I've already seen the glory of the Son of Man. You shall not taste of death until you see. Amen. We have already seen. You say, well, I won't die. If I do die, I have already seen. All right. So in verse 28, Verily I say unto you, there shall be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Verse 28, we see it fulfilled in Matthew 17, 1 to 3. After these six days, Jesus taken Peter, James, and John, his brother, bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. The mortal man, Jesus, the Son of Man, the prophet, was transfigured. His faith is a sign of the sun. His raiment was white as light. We read these things in scriptures as though they are stories. But if you understand that the scripture is absolutely actual reality and facts. Just think they seen a man transfigured in glory. What if you experienced that vision? What would it do for you? And these three, they wanted to build a temple for each one of them. So they had a little Trinitarianism in their mind somewhere. But when the vision left them, there was Jesus only. You're going to bring it down to there's only one man that can get us out of our dilemma. And that is the man, Jesus of Nazareth. He is my big brother. He is my elder brother. And I'm not jealous of his position. Our father in all of his wisdom said, Now this is the one that I want to be number one in the family. Therefore, I submit to God's wisdom and bow and call him Lord of the family. I have no problem calling him Lord. Meaning what? He's the master. He's the elder of the family. He's the leader. He's the spokesman. He represents me. Therefore, if he represents me, wherever he is, I am. Whatever he is, I am. Whatever blessing he is, I will receive. Because if I'm a redeemed for the family, I don't care whether I'm the finger, the toe, or the big what, or the big mouth, or the little eye. I'm still a part of the family. It makes no difference. And when you see your identity, you won't have this, I want to be the big shot and little eye at the head table. It doesn't make any difference what table you sit at. Oh, we all used to like to go to the head table. So we'll look at, oh, I, mean, I come to the realization it don't make no difference what table you sit at. There's nothing in none of us. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who is Cephas? Who is Brother Branham? Who's this preacher, that preacher? We're all servants of God. We're all brothers. We're all uh, servants to humanity. Good service, bad service. But how many knows every minister is a servant? How many likes to serve? Not very many. We want to be served, but we don't like to serve. Guess how often you let the slave have time off? Slaves don't need no time off. I can take a vacation, but the slave don't need one. Didn't Jesus said, when you come in from work, the slave comes in to work, you sit down to eat. Do you say the feed the slave? No, feed me first, and if any left over, then you go feed and do your own thing. That's what every one of us is. We're servants. But we will be exalted just like Jesus. We're promised to be exalted to the throne. Come on. 
and 144,000 will wait on us. Boy, not too many people want to sit in the throne room, are they? When you sit in the throne room, guess what happens? You're going to have to take responsibility for being a son or a daughter. Whether we understand it or not, every day there's a responsibility of who you are in Christ as a child of God. And you're acting out a role in a position. And your conduct, your action, what you do or don't do, represents your respect to God your Father. No wonder the children don't respect their parents anymore. That went out with the 50s and 60s. Now then we have basically degraded ourselves to the place that we got this woke cut culture in, in our midst. We got this cancel culture. We got this racist issues going on. That the slaves now are going to make slaves out of the white people. They're saying the white people are racist. I haven't seen too many racist white people. The racism is in the other color. They got a problem with their identity. They want to be white, but they're black, so they got a problem with the white. Now you got whites trying to take suntan lotion and make themselves black so they'll fit in. Sons and daughters of God are born sons and daughters of God. You can put a turkey feather in your rear end saying, I'm a turkey like you, but you'll find out that you're a son and daughter of God. And they'll find you out also. And when they find you, they will kill you. If they don't kill you physically, they'll kill your influence. They'll get your job. They'll cast you out. They're going to do everything that they can. You will not be able to buy or sell. This culture is in control of our government now. And it's only going to get worse. And I say praise be to God. Because that only means that a few of us are going to get out of here. While the rest of us are killed off in the tribulation. Amen. I don't know where we got on that, but that's all right. So they see the vision of the Son of Man transfigured before them. So the Son of Man speaks of the prophet. When you say prophet, what we're trying to labor is, is bring it back to a man. You said Brother Brown was a prophet. Don't make him the prophet. He was a prophet. The prophet is Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of Man. Meaning what? He was that unique prophet that Moses prophesied to come that would become the head of the kingdom. So when you hear Son of Man, you must understand there is a prophetic ministry there. And there is a man representing something in the scripture being fulfilled. And we'll get to it in a few minutes how Brother Bram said, if you don't, if you'd only understand who I am, you would be healed. If the people only realize who I am, they would be healed. Think about that just in a few minutes now. So this son of man, this prophet, this ministry, this figure. Is both Alpha and Omega. Well, that's almost over quitting time. It didn't get started yet. It got through the text. 
All right, watch that. He's both Alpha and Omega to complete the statue of the perfect man called the Bride of Christ. This mystical body being built is called the Bride of Christ. If you had to recognize John the Baptist as the forerunner, you had to recognize Moses as the prophet sent from God. If you had to recognize Elijah, if you recognize Jeremiah, you understand why they said you must be this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. Because God had promised they would only speak to them through a prophet. They won't hear nobody but a prophet. And they won't hear anybody that's not vindicated by God through signs and wonders as being a prophet. So the two witnesses, which will be Moses and Elijah, will come forth. They'll stop the heavens. They'll do everything that those two men done in their ministries as a vindication and a convincing element to 144,000 hard-headed Jews that they are absolutely agents of God. Only 144,000 out of the millions will say, you are fulfilling Scripture, your Moses and Elijah promised to come. Amen. And by identifying who they are as the men of God, they will be identified as those whose name's in the book. Amen. So you'll find out that we actually go through each stage individually and as a corporate group of people to come to this uh, perfect man that Peter lays out in Second uh, Peter 1 to 12, which you understand we won't read it for sake of time, but he takes you through seven steps, faith, virtue, so on, so on, so on, so all the way up to charity, which that's where we're at now in the capstone, our headship of the Logos God that is here with us because he has already presented to us through a man the revelation of the Son of Man who Jesus was that now sits on the Father's throne waiting for God himself that is here to bring a resurrection and a virtuous living group change to meet him in the air for the marriage supper of the Lamb. So you're going to look at this interest being preached. We ministered on it a few weeks ago. So we have a seven-step process to the complete headship of Jesus Christ, the revealed Word. All right. The first step in the process of bringing forth the seed of God in the process of glorification is the identification of Jesus the man. If we identify Jesus Christ, I'd have to go to the Logos. We're looking at the identification of Jesus, the anointed one or the anointed man. I'm singling in on the revelation that God or Jesus built his church upon. And that was the identification of Jesus, the man. Because if you don't realize who he is, you will never accept his perfect payment for sin as being a finished work. I haven't met too many ministers that will accept Jesus as the answer for sin. It's always, well, 
uh, yeah, he was the lamb, but you know, you got to do this, you got to do that, and you got to quit this, you got to quit that. And when they go down their list, and every preacher's got his list. And the people struggle all their life to fulfill the list. And the list will be fulfilled when you understand who Jesus, the man, was and represented for you. For your revelation of Jesus the man is what quickens you to your own sonship that you were actually born of God and that seed remains in you from theophany form all the way to glorification form and God never lost a thought or a gene or anything of his own making you in this process a part of God's own life period. All right, so we look at this, we'll get through this, and we, it's almost time to run out. So we, look, so I call Jesus, the identification of Jesus the man is the key that opens up the riches of the other six steps to bring you to glorification. Step number one, and we'll list them, and then we'll just change the services. I guess we'll run out of time. Step number one, who is the Son of Man? Verse 13 to 16, which we read. Step two, you'll find the foundation of the church is built upon the revealed word. Verses 17 and 18. Step number three, the authority and power of the church. Verse 19. Step number four, every word must be fulfilled. Verse 21. Every word must be fulfilled. Step five, death to all creeds and dogmas. All of these are brought to its climax in this age. Death to all creeds and dogmas. And I would advise you to listen to the tape in 1965 where Brother Branham preached to the Pentecostals the seed of discrepancy. Because in there he brings out and separates every doctrine, every creed, every dogma contrary to the revealed word is of the devil. And therefore, in you and our minds and the way we're raised, what we're taught, what the majority of the people out there has accepted is contrary to the true revelation of one God and one Lord Jesus Christ the only begotten Son. Very, very few people will acknowledge that fact. They do not believe in total redemption by one man's act. That the blood of Jesus Christ was sufficient to Almighty God for the answer of Adam's fall and absolutely redeemed and replaced our relationship to Him as redeems, price being paid out of the pawn shop, free from sin, free from sickness, free from the power of the devil. Your sonship is the key to your healing, to our salvation, to our redemption, to overcoming, to fear, to prosperity, to our destiny, everyday life. Everything you do will hinge on Knowing who you are as a son of God. 
You can be put in a cave. You can be put in boiling oil. You can be nailed to the cross. You can be slaughtered by the sword. You can be thrown in a den of lions. But if you know you're a son of God, you can say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. For he giveth and he taketh away, but I know who I am in Christ Jesus. So be the will of God. Brings a peace passes understanding. So number five, number six, the spirit of rebellion, which gets us down in this age. Spirits that have not learned to be subject to God must go. That's what the ministry is doing today that's on this earth. They're separating everything contrary to true word out of the body of Christ. Instead of trying to preach to get people to come in, to join you, to be a part of you. If you preach the word of God, you're picking out this one, you're eliminating this one, you're eliminating that one, you're running this one off, you're making this one mad, you're making this one sad, you're making this one curse God, you're making this one fail so-and-so. All by the ministry of the true word of God. But seed of God will never denounce God's word. You may have trouble with it. Your flesh will have trouble obeying it. Your mind will have trouble submitting to it because that's a free will where the devil can get in there 99% of the time. But down on the inside of the inside, there will always be a struggle. There will always be a witness. There will always be a foundation. There will ever always be something where you stop and you won't go any further because you know, I know that I am, that I am by the grace of God. And unless you know that, all your works will go. Your legalism will go. Your holiness will go. I've seen more people, holy, holy, holy. The more holy they are, the harder they fall. Because they're resting on the strength of their flesh. And everything that you're resting on by your own strength will be ripped out of your grasp, ripped out of your mind, ripped out of your ability to perform. That's the reason why we see brothers fall back into addiction. That's why we see people come in, set a while, and go out. It's not a filter. It's not hard preaching. It's absolutely sorting seed from seed. God is a racist. Boy, that didn't go down too good, did it? He has only one race. And that is his children, his sons, and his daughters. And everybody in the kingdom will be one race. Because actually there's only two. See, if you get back to the Bible, we wouldn't have all this garbage up there in Washington, D.C. All you got up there in Washington, D.C. is Satan. Right now in his Canaanites. Trying to thwart the plan of God. Doing the same thing over and over and over that started in heaven. Come down to Cain. Right down to Balaam. Right on through, right on through. Down to the Pharisees, Sadducees. Right on down through the church ages. And now we're in Revelation chapter 13. We're going to kill off everything that doesn't bow the knee to a false doctrine. And who Jesus is, is the main question. Did I lose my voice by you? Okay, step number seven. 
Those standing here shall not taste death, according to verse 28. These steps are laid out in these scriptures for the process to the resurrection and rapture. We'll take one step at a time. And the first and foremost step is who is Jesus. His proper identification of who Jesus, the created man, was is absolutely the key to unlock the riches of God. But we'll stop right there because we've run out of time. But look, Brother Branham said, if they only knew who I am. Let me read it for you. I got the quote written down over here. I put in your notes, watch. What did or why did Brother Branham say, if they only knew who I actually am, they would receive their healing? If they had identified who he was, the man, they would have healing in mass. In other words, every person would have been healed. And we'll get into it. We have gotten into it in perfect faith. The people wanted healing. They drove for miles to Jonesboro, around the world, for the healing of their bodies because they understood there was a gift there. But they missed the key to the gift of healing because they missed to identify who Brother Branham, the man, was according to Scripture. Oh, he was the prophet. He was more than a prophet. He was God. They had every kind of theory. When Brother Brown was here, he said, there's 17 versions of my message, and every one of them are wrong. Well, he was still here. He had to come off of the scene for over a year because they made him God. Now, what spirit made Brother Branham God? The same spirit that made Jesus God. And it wasn't the Holy Ghost that done it. And you look at it, and I put it in your notes. That theory, that principle, Jesus, I want to come. That principle started in heaven. Because when they couldn't discern Michael and Lucifer, they didn't understand who was who. That's where they failed the test. It come down to Cain and Abel. If you'll do well, you'll be accepted. Am I my brother's keeper, he said. So what did he do? Instead of changing his doctrine, he went out and killed the one that God had accepted. Now then, his doctrine, his religion was the only one. And he enforced that upon the people. What did the Tower of Babel do? Same thing. What did we have when Jesus showed up? You had six seed of God that was in the picture, and all the religious systems of the world were serpent seed. And it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days when the Son of Man is being revealed. In the days of Lot, you found out the condition was so sodomite. If you study the Scripture real closely, two angels went into the city. They must have not had tattoos and weirdos and whatever more, patched up and starry-eyed and all this garbage. 
They didn't press in with their curled up fingers and all this female spirits and all this stuff. What did it say? The leaders of the city, they come to seek them for sexual pleasure. Homosexual pleasure. And when they Lot offered up his virgin daughters for their pleasure, they didn't want the women. They wanted these two men. Meditate on it a little while and you see America right now in our government. We've got a perverted sodomite condition that God is going to burn. I don't know how much farther God will let this garbage de descend into the lower pits. But young people, if it's very long, you better make provisions for your children and their education and their learning. Because if you want them to learn how to read and write and have any morals and virtue and any thoughts of humanity, you're going to have to teach them at home. Because this perverted mess that we got in our school system today is sending souls to hell faster than a prostitute on the street. Anti-religion, anti-morals, anti-proper speech, anti-proper conduct, anti-proper marriage, anti-proper religion, anti-anti-anti. It's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. So this morning as we take the emblems, let our minds go back to the beginning of Jesus. Because he said as often as you take of this bread and drink of this wine, you do it in remembrance of me. You do it in remembrance of the man, your brother, uniquely made, built, Unique nature. He was unique in every way. He willfully took my place and your place. And he took the beating. He took the spitting on, pulling his beard out. Shredded him like meat on a chopping block. Carried his own cross. Simply for the reason of who he said that he was. Why do you stone me? Not for any good work, not for feeding us, not for taking care of us, whatever more. But because you declared to be the Son of God. And they understood that to mean he was equal with the Father. Which he was. Because why? He was the firstborn in the creation of God. In the mind of God, before we even recognize it as time, there was an order went on back there. Satan even ruled this earth for a period of time we don't know how long until his government, just like the Democrats are doing now, Satan ruled this earth for a period of time until it went to garbage, until it would totally destroy itself. And God had to totally burn it, revolve it, mold it down, and bring it back again. Start it all over in Genesis 1-1 when you see it coming forth in another form. 
Everything on earth was destroyed at one time. Destroyed. In the flood, all things was not destroyed. There was a pre-Adam government here on earth. It's when you had your dinosaurs and all those things that they found proof of. So this is not the only form and not the only time that you and I have been in existence to pass this test. Who do you say I, the Son of Man, am? Who do you say Jesus of Nazareth really is? Is He your Lord? Is He your sacrifice? Is He your Redeemer? Is He your King? Is He your Bridegroom? Is He your Elder Brother? Amen. Then you are sons and daughters of God. Amen. So let's come. Carry on to come. We'll play. All right. We'd like three brothers to come and basically help us pass out the bread and the wine this morning. We will get to each step. Amen. Can I have two more brothers come? Three. I need three brothers. One down the middle on each side. Amen. All right. Let's take the lids off the wine. We'll bless the wine first and pass that. And then the bread also. I've got them laid out so there should be enough. You can take one tray at a, at a time until we have enough. And there's another tray right there. Now take the bread also. And before you take it out, we'll pray. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we have failed many times, Lord, in not recognizing and doing the commandments that you set forth for us. We are slewful in many things. Ignorant in a lot of things, Lord, but we ask for your forgiveness. We ask that the blood of Jesus speak for our weaknesses. And this morning, as we prepare our hearts to receive the memorial of your body that was broken, the shedding of your blood that paid the price of our redemption. We ask you to bless this bread, and we pray that your healing grace in the faith of what it represents, as we partake of it, may we partake of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ for our redemption and our healing. We thank you for the revelation of your presence. We thank you for our identification in Christ. We thank you for every soul that you have assembled together in this building. And Father, help us now in the reverence of your presence to partake of these emblems in respect to you and the body of Christ. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. So you can pass the bread and the wine, please.